Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. I think that people should take that type of leap very seriously because you know you could really just drain your 401k and your savings and then like end up with nothing. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and today we're welcoming the show the founder of All Citizens, a direct consumer menswear brand committed to democratizing comfort. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks for having me, Chase. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. So tell me, what uh, you know, what is this brand doing? How are you democratizing comfort? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're we're, we're focused on democratizing comfort by doing a few things, right? The first is we create and invest in creating the best pound for pound uh, performance products that are made with high-performance fabrics and uh, are packed with tons of smart features. Then we offer them at much more accessible prices. So we say it's wallet-friendly prices. And then we also create a much better experience for all uh, stakeholders. So that's not just our customers, but it also involves our investors, obviously. But then people, planet, and profit is what, is, uh, is, is what we say. So kind of delivering to a triple bottom line. I'm happy to go into more detail about the products I would create, how we're investing in those products, um, as well as how we kind of streamline our business in order to deliver more value to our customers and all the other stakeholders as well. Well, yeah, I mean, the quick answer, I guess, would be could you like talk about the first couple products that you were bringing to market? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was living in New York. Um, I was uh, a few years ago, and uh, and I, you know, I was working in consulting, making good money, and I reached a point in my life where I felt like it was time to grow up from the clothes that my mom bought for me in high school and college, and kind of start buying my own clothes, right? And so. Like most clueless guys who are shopping for themselves for the first time, you know, I went to a department store. I went to Macy's and Nordstrom, checked out, you know, a few different brands uh, from Calvin Klein, Hugo Boss, all those designer labels that cost thirty, forty, fifty dollars a pair. Um, bought a few pairs of those. I also searched online and found a few like online direct consumer brands. Bought a few pairs of those, and I also went to you know Target and Walmart and bought um, the mass market bargain brands. And so with these kind of three different groups of products, I tried on you know, 20 different brands. And, and what I realized was that good underwear is really expensive and affordable options just aren't comfortable. And so you know, on one end of the spectrum, you have these bargain multi-pack brands from Target and Walmart. And they're very affordable, but they're also very low quality. And they wear out and gets itchy and scratchy after 6 to 9 months. So you have to throw them out and buy a new pack um, uh, within a year. On the other end of the spectrum, you have these designer labels that really focus on aesthetic and branding rather than product function and versatility and comfort. And they cost, you know, again, $40 or $50 per pair. And then somewhere in the middle, you have these, you know, new direct consumer brands that are creating marginally improved products, but are still charging designer label prices. And so they range between $24 to $42 per pair. And so, you know, this kind of led me to, to ask, like, why are comfort and affordability mutually exclusive? And that was kind of the question that sparked the idea for all citizens. It kind of led me down um, into you know going to trade shows and, and creating the product and, and spending months trying to find the right factory. And I can get into more of that story later on. But um, but yeah, that was kind of the genesis of, of the product. And so you know I didn't just want to like you know create a new brand, create a new underwear product, and just go to market and start selling. 
I wanted to really focus on addressing all the common pain points that guys have with underwear. And so, Chase, I'm not going to ask you uh, what underwear you're going to wear, but let's just assume that you wear boxer briefs, for instance. And and um, and so, you know, the problem with boxer briefs is that you put them on; they fit great, uh, they fit they they fit snug and, and feel comfortable. But as soon as you start walking around or sitting down at your desk, standing back up, going to get a drink, um, the legs just ride up like crazy, right? So you have to constantly pull them down. It's kind of awkward because you're tugging at your pants in like your office and stuff. Um, another issue that guys have is like heat and sweat down there, especially during the hot and humid months of of, uh, of New York. And then, you know, not to get too graphic, but you know, a big issue that men have is that your goods stick to your thighs. Um, and so, what I wanted to do was create a very specific design that addressed each and every pain point. So, what I started with was like a list of twenty different pain points that guys have, and just drawing out and figuring out what design could address that pain point. And that's all, you know, that's kind of what I carried forward in terms of all of our products is that we don't just want to just create like a new dress shirt or like create a t-shirt. We want to create a much better product, investing in high performance fabrics, creating all these smart designs and packing them into this product, and then figuring out a way to offer it at a much more accessible price point. So our price points are half the price of other competing and comparable premium brands. Um, so our products are sixteen dollars and eighteen dollars for our two different underwear lines. Gotcha. All right. So you, uh, the first product that you were, you did bring to market though was was the brief, correct? Boxer briefs. Yep. All right. So tell me about that. So you go from all right. I see a hole in the market here with all these yeah. products. You know, between comfort and price, you know, there's definitely a delta here, and I can, I want to fill that void. Yeah. How long did it take you from having that concept in your head yeah. to having a sample? Yeah, man. So Chase, to give you a bit of background, I don't come from a design or a retail or e-commerce background. I had no experience in creating uh, 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 any products, let alone clothing. Um, I come from a very boring management consulting background. Um, and so so when I was creating this product, it really came from, from a pro- like a solution standpoint. Like I was trying to figure out solutions to all these pro- the list of problems and pain points that, that I had and other men had. Um, and so, you know, I, I started off by just like going to trade shows in New York. Um, there, there's a Javits Center trade show. I forgot the name of it now, but, um, but I went there, talked to a lot of factories, met a lot of suppliers. And from there, over the course of the next nine months, I was meeting with six different factories, you know, some in like Bangladesh and Korea and Taiwan and China in the US. And I was just meet, I met with six different factories over the course of these nine months. And the problem was that every single factory that I worked with, just could not create the level of quality that I wanted at the price point that I wanted. And it's, it was always like a, a quality and a price were, were always in competition with one another. And so, you know, I would find a factory that had the most amazing quality, had really good craftsmanship, had really good materials, but then the price was just way too high. And I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to bring the product to market at a price that I thought was wallet friendly, right? Um, and I did, again, I didn't want to launch another $40 premium brand for a pair of underwear. So, um, so I, you know, after nine months of, of working with six different factories, kind of just being let down with prototype after prototype, um, I almost just gave up on the idea. You know, I was, I was like, this is clear that you need a background in this. You need, you need a network. You need connections. You know, I just don't have it. Like, I don't have any of this. So I'm just going to go back and, and kind of give up on this. And in the 10th month, I get like a ran, I, I, I reach out to a, like a, one person I met at a trade show randomly and kind of like a last ditch, last ditch effort. And they put me in touch with someone who then put me in touch with someone who worked at a factory that produced for Calvin Klein and several other designer labels. And so I was like, jackpot, this is, this is perfect. But being very inexperienced, I didn't realize that this factory is used to producing millions of units every month. 
And I was coming to them with like $3,000 and being like, can you guys create a few hundred units for me? So, so we go back and forth creating the prototype. They think I'm a big brand, but I don't like, I don't realize that they think I'm a big brand. So they're just like kind of entertaining me. And, and we finally create after like a third or fourth prototype, we create like a product that I'm super proud of. And this was like version, version zero, version one back in the day, excuse me. And, and so finally, I'm like holding a product that is not only the right price point, but also the right quality and the performance and all the features that I wanted and like the right craftsmanship. And, um, and so I was like, great, like, let's go to production. I'm ready. Like, here's like, here's $3,000. I want to produce a few hundred units. And the guy was like, what are you talking about? Like, you, we, we can't, we cannot move forward with this. So we go back and forth for a while and he's finally like, look, like you need to talk to the factory owner. Like I, I can't, I can't help you here. Like this has to be his decision. So I, I set up a call with the factory owner. He lives in Hong Kong and uh, he was, I think the call was just meant to be like a 10 minute conversation where he like lets me down gently. And it ended up being a, an hour and 15 minute conversation where like, I'm just sharing with him what I'm seeing in the men's underwear market, why Calvin Klein and all these brands are, are not doing it, like not doing right by customers. And also the mass market brands are not delivering the quality that customers deserve, right? And so I was explaining like the void of the market, the opportunity that I'm seeing and, and kind of like my vision for the brand, right? Like we want to create the most customer centric product focused apparel brand out there. And the only way to do that is to deliver more value to customers, better products, fewer dollars, right? And, um, and so he was like, look, it's very clear that you are passionate about this. It's very clear that you, you seem like you know what you're doing. Um, I'm happy to take a risk on you. Just pay me like a, a slightly larger deposit up front and work during the off seasons when we're not producing so much for other brands. And, and we can go from there. And then it was kind of off to the races. And so what I realized, like after I had like the first production, like we sent all the boxes into my tiny little apartment in New York. And I was like keeping it in my closet underneath my bed to like fulfill orders. And what I realized is like the 10 months of struggle that I went through to create the product was like ground zero. It was like, it, it was nothing compared to the next few years of just like slogging through and trying to scale the brand. So that's actually the easiest part of my journey, I have to say. Are you still working with that factory? Absolutely. Um, and, and they have been surprised. I think they were surprised by our growth. Like, you know, I think factories get, I think especially big and reputable factories get approached by a million different brands. Yeah. Um, and so I think they were surprised by our growth and, and we've been with them ever since. Uh, and, and they've been a fantastic partner so far. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E dot I-O. Mesa is the easy-to-use solution to the everyday challenges of running a Shopify store. With Black Friday and Cyber Monday fast approaching, now is an excellent time to use automation to get out of the weeds and focus more on your customers. Automations harness the power of code without any learning curve. You can easily customize how Shopify and your apps work with one-click integrations. From auto-tagging orders to sending package status updates to customers, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. Simply put, the minutes you spend using Mesa save you hours of manual work. So make this year's Black Friday and Cyber Monday different by simplifying your workload and running your Shopify store better and not letting it run you. Search for Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify app store and download the app today. Free plan available with no cost setup included. We've talked about this before on our podcast, but returns are an absolute hassle. They're often costly, time-consuming, and complicated. But there's a better way to handle returns. 
Our partner Loop helps Shopify brands deliver hassle-free return experiences. Their platform empowers shoppers to process their own returns, creating a better user experience for both you and your customers. Plus, they encourage exchanges over refunds. They make it a lot easier for shoppers to browse through your entire product catalog at the point of return. It's a true win-win. Loop is trusted by over 1,600 Shopify merchants from side hustles to enterprise-level brands like Patagonia, Brooklinen, and Chubby's. It's time to transform your returns into exchanges. Learn more at loopreturns.com slash honest. That's L-O-O-P-R-E-T-U-R-N-S dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Yeah, let's not try to, to tell the end of the story up front. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> yeah. let, it, let it go a little bit. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah. So you guys build... You got this awesome product. You find an, an amazing partner to help you manufacture this. Now you have a product. And you're, how do you sell this? What's your go-to-market strategy? How are you getting customers that aren't your mom, dad, and friends? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. You know, it's it's funny because like go to market strategy. When I worked in consulting, I knew go to market strategy, and I had a really good understanding of how to how to build a go to market strategy and plan uh, for very large corporations, right? Like massive multi billionaire corporations. That did not translate very well to a nimble startup that is like you know a few hundred dollars in revenue uh, back then, and so uh, so. You know, again, like no experience in e-commerce, no experience in marketing, really, and uh, and so what I really focus on, like, I, you know, I, when I started the brand, I didn't I didn't focus on growth initially. What I really focused on was like getting the messaging right and getting the product right. And so, actually, you know, by the time I launched, you know, I sold to like I sold the first few hundred units to like friends and family. They were very supportive, but again, it was like an initial launch. Friends and family bought it. You know, some of them came back and bought more, and then it kind of like uh, dipped down a bit from there. And they're actually providing a lot of feedback in terms of how to improve the product. And so by the time I launched, you know, within a few months, I launched version two of the product pretty quickly, right? And it was like a much better, much better product with, with actual customer feedback. And, um, and so from there, you know, again, it was like the brand was like, you know, doing like, you know, maybe, you know, two, like, you know, tens or maybe hundreds of dollars a day. It was like a very small type of brand and, um, and no real scale, like, um, or, or plan or go to market strategy. And again, I was really focused on just like nailing the product right. And so, you know, I think when I launched and I had version two, it was like, I, I personally, I mean, maybe I'm a bit biased, but I would say a lot of our customers said that it was the best product they'd ever seen. Uh, and this is coming from someone I had no experience in creating a product, right? And so, um, so within a few months, actually, we started like, I started noticing in, like an uptick in traffic uh, to the website and an uptick in sales. And I traced that back to forums like Reddit and Facebook and stuff where people were like sharing the brand and talking about the product. And then out of nowhere, like a month after I started noticing this trend, like I woke up one day and all of my, all my inventory was completely sold out. And I had no idea what the hell was going on. And, uh, and so again, I traced it back and I figured out there was, these, there was a person that wrote on Reddit 
that had gone through the very similar journey that I had gone through, trying 20 different brands online, offline, and just rating all of them. He built like an Excel of like all these like features and, and considerations as the columns, and then all these brands as the rows. And he actually selected All Citizens as the number one brand, beating out a lot of the direct, I mean, all the direct consumer online brands that you hear of in podcasts today, as well as like the designer brands. And that like absolutely blew my mind. And and shortly after, like thankfully I had inventory that was coming in in the next month. So that was like kind of good, kind of good timing. But um, but like thankfully I was able to get inventory back up. But then again, we sold out for a second time within the next month because someone else on a different website had wrote this like another review, right? And so all these people were kind of like talking about the brand and, and more people were kind of hearing about it through word of mouth and just like real honest people just writing a review being like, hey, this is my experience with 30, 40 brands that I tried out. And like this is this is where I rank everyone. And um, and so, you know, you know, that was kind of like the early stages of growth, just really focused on you know the product and that generated a lot of word of mouth. Um, and since then we've gotten a lot more sophisticated in how we're scaling, but we can share more about that later. Oh man, it, it's uh Funny, I, I talk a lot to brands. You know, we do a lot of work on websites at the agency, right? And yeah. like, cool, we do this thing or we fix this stuff, and then what happens? Like, how are we getting traffic, right? Yeah. And you know, it's I, it's less likely these days that someone will be like, "Oh, we're going to go viral," because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's like a that's something that you can't plan, right? No. That's yeah. you'll never in your life be able to force viral yeah. virality. Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can weigh in your basket, like, yeah. yeah have a great video team that makes a super comedic thing like maybe yeah. that will do it but you never know right 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 um so that's fun so that's something where i just say well that's impossible yeah. what else are you going to do <laughs> is like usually my answer but it's it's awesome to hear uh you know when it does happen and and i guess what you did to make that happen was you made the best product that you could at the best price point giving the best value that you could to the customers and that's what really helped set you apart that's exactly it. And then just to, just to piggyback off your point about um, the, the virality effect, it's funny because I talked to a few of these like, you know, um, you know, kind of like advisors and, and partners and stuff. And, and they're always like, you know, they, you know, they always give example and advice based on what they're like an example of like one of their favorite brands that they're seeing. So like an example, I forgot the name of the a brand, but it's like a soap company. Okay. And the soap company, they're like, they make hilarious, absolutely hilarious videos on their social media. And they're essentially, they're not even a soap company. They're like a media like a content generating company that sells soap on the back end, Right. And so that's what you got to do these days. And, and right. And they were like, you know, they're like, it's so easy. All you got to do is hire the right creative team. You create these videos and like, you just go viral. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't work like that. Like it's so, you don't know if your personality is going to resonate with like the market or, or your community and stuff. So it's just funny the you know, the type of virality, like I hate that word because you just, again, it's not, it's not planned. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's a sneak peek, everyone, to the ebook that I've been promising forever. There's a whole. There, I talk about this in the book about like here. Oh really? Yeah, it's just like what affects conversion rate. One of the things are like going viral. Like if you know if Kim K wears your product, like probably going to get some traffic, but like I guarantee that you're not getting your product in Kim K's hand. So why are you going to spend energy doing that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. Talk about the things you actually can do, but let's get back to you. Let's get back to the brand. So, <laughs> Reddit loves you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm assuming that your orders are going up. You're starting to get more inventory in. Uh, now, are you only on your own direct to consumer store, or are you also selling on Amazon? Doing both with just one? Yeah, it's great. It's funny because I actually came from Amazon. I, I used to work in Amazon's cloud computing group, so not the retail side. But I had a lot of friends or coworkers that left retail to join the cloud the cloud group. And, um, and so I'd hear stories about their days in, in retail. And it's funny because um, I absolutely do not sell on Amazon. 
Um, simply because, um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I love the company. Uh, obviously I'm a shareholder and I've been, I was an employee for, for several years, but, um, but I absolutely do not sell on Amazon. Not any, I mean, like there's some secondary reasons for why I don't sell on Amazon for faults of their own. But the primary thing is I don't think you can build a, build a brand on Amazon. Like you can sell a commodity on Amazon, no problem. But like my box briefs are listed next to a million other pairs of box briefs that are all like $3 or $4. And so what I, you know, one is like your pictures are the same exact pictures as everyone else's pictures. Cause you have to have a white background, one picture, one still image, you know? And, um, and so you're very undifferentiated. And then the type of information you can put on a product page is very limited as well. So it's very hard to tell like the thought and the features that go into the product. Like our brand, if you go on our website is very visual, right? Like we're, we're in the process of adding 3d models for all of our products so that you can explore the products in much more detail. And rather, you know, visually, rather than like reading through, here's feature number one, two, three, four, five, like kind of boring, right? And so I don't sell on Amazon because again, like you just, I don't, I don't see that I could build all systems as a, like a homegrown brand on Amazon. I could sell like, you know, a commodity on Amazon, uh, but just not, yeah. I don't see that in my future so far. Like marketplaces and stuff, again, I don't see that in, my, in our future yet. Again, it's not a no, but maybe sometime in the future. Uh, but no, purely through our uh, our store right now, and we're cons- we've done a pop up actually in Singapore, and that's gone pretty well. Um, and so we're actually con- considering expanding our pop ups throughout the U.S. Um, and then you know expanding to the U.K. and Australia very soon. That's awesome. So uh, let's kind of fast forward a bit. Uh, what does kind of the strategy look like these days? You know, what's the mix like, and obviously how it has iOS and all of the fun stuff that's happened in the past couple of years affected yeah. kind of the marketing strategies at all citizens? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so I think like, you know, going back to your point about virality, I think, you know, part of your marketing strategy has to be sampling and trying out everything, right? And so, you know, I think the standard direct consumer playbook, if you will, is you start off with a product, you start making a little bit of money. So you start putting money into, or you, you go and raise like a small uh, uh, seed round from VCs and you pour like $3 million into Facebook and Google ads, right? And that's like step one. Then, you know, you start expanding into TikTok and maybe even Snapchat, maybe Pinterest, depending on your product and your demographics. Um, and that's like step two. But all again, social media advertising is kind of like phase one. Um, phase two is when you start scaling into like PR, affiliate, and a few other uh, types of channels, and like even like exploring, uh, opening up like new channels like physical retail, maybe a pop, a small pop up in like an apartment store. Um, but again, like it, it's about um, you know, and like we're we're kind of very much in phase two, where like we're exploring all these new channels. And again, it's like I have a very clear idea and like a map of like of what the next two years looks like in terms of marketing and channel expansion and like country expansion and then all of that. But like, I can't tell you whether or not any of those are going to work, right? And so again, it's about, I think it's about having like a very strong conviction about like and a strong vision about what you think you need to do and start executing. And like something may happen from that. So for instance, like when when I first started, I didn't start Facebook advertising until like a, a, a year or two into um, All Citizens, um, and and like you know Facebook was like this was, this was pre iOS fourteen, right? Um, and Facebook was like still a pretty good channel, but I hadn't like cracked the code, I hadn't figured it out. Started working with the agency, the ROI like wasn't quite there. And then out of nowhere, like we create, I created like twenty different, or sorry, ten different like uh, ads, like video and photo ads. And out of nowhere, like one of the my least favorite photo ads 
it like blew up. Right. And so again, it was like, I would have never guessed that that was the one that was going to like carry it a bit for the next month. And so again, it's about like experimenting and like, and being like really creative with how you test out all the different channels, being recreated with how you create content as well. Um, and then like, you know, whatever works on, you kind of double down on that and reinvest and like try to replicate that. Um, so that's kind of like the strategy of phase two moving forward. Absolutely. Now, uh, looking back on everything that you, you've done and all the choices you've made and all the tests that you kind of ran figuring stuff out, does anything stand out to you as maybe like a mistake that you made that you were like, hey, like we did this, didn't really work out so well, everybody? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think I got into um, Facebook a bit late. Um, so I only started the brand a few years ago. And, and I think there was kind of like a, a golden age of Facebook where like you literally throw anything, any, any <laughs> dollar amount and any crappy, you know, image as your ad on Facebook and you get like $10 back in ROI. Yeah. Um, we were, we were there for it and it yeah. is nowhere, nowhere near it anymore. Actually, this absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that we don't even offer Facebook ads anymore at the agency. Really? We kind of sunset the offering just because we are way better at another thing. The ROAS is not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, it's it, also unfortunate that like marketing and advertising as a service is this is a little inside baseball, I guess. But like, is the highest churn rate uh, offering that you'll ever have at a service business. Yeah. And there are much more lucrative and uh, kind of partnered kind of offerings that you can have. And yeah. so for longevity of the agency, we kind of narrowed our focus. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, I can tell you right now, our Facebook ROAS is like, not horrendous. It's like a drug, right? It's like, you know, it keeps you coming back for more. And every day it just gets worse and worse. And you have to like pay more, like pay to play type of thing. And it just, yeah, it's uh, it's not... Facebook has been uh, not great. But actually on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Google for some reason is doing fantastic. Uh, and then TikTok is also doing pretty solid too. So... So again, like it's about balancing it out. I think we're probably going to like phase out of Facebook a little bit more and shift more resources into the other channels uh, pretty soon. Um, but no, I mean, like, so this was like pre iOS fourteen. I think I feel like I got into Facebook a little late in the game, so I kind of missed out on that whole D 2 C growth period and kind of like very easy scale. Um, and then when iOS fourteen hit, it was just like you know, like crap hit the fan. Uh, things just like tanked immediately. Um, and so we're kind of just, like carrying on with Facebook. It's still a pretty good channel. Uh, but again, it's like a drug. Like the ROAS is barely there. Uh, but it's like good enough to be prof- barely profitable. Um, yeah. So uh, is there anything I didn't ask you about today that you think would be worthwhile to share with our audience? I think um, an interesting topic now is is you know you hear about this like great resignation that's going on right i feel like a lot of people are using you know a lot of people have have gone through covid and kind of taken a step back and reassess like like what makes me happy what what do i really want to be doing to my time and my life and ultimately like that boils down to like what what will i be doing for my career and and my job and my work every day right and and i think that you know i think the media right now romanticizes entrepreneurship. Like, don't get me wrong. When I was in Amazon, all I thought about all day was I need to, I want to like, I want to quit Amazon. I want to start all citizens. This is going to be great. This is going to be like, it's going to scale the idea. Like I'm in love with my product. The idea is there. Like I talked to a lot of people. They all say it's a great idea. Like, let's go. And, um, and what you don't realize is like corporate life creates a very comfortable lifestyle. Like I had a very good salary. I had a job where I had to like really screw up in order to get fired. So it was like very stable. The shares of Amazon were were appreciating like crazy. Um, and so it was like this safety net that was completely ripped from below me. 
And so, you know, you're kind of like, once you get bitten by this entrepreneur bug, like, I don't think I could go back to corporate probably for a really long time, but, um, but like, you know, you kind of just dive in head first. And, and when I dove into all citizens head first, you know, things were going fantastic for the first few months. And then reality started hitting. I was like, my savings account is going down. And like, I have to like cut back on like, personal spend and all of that. And, um, and like my identity used to be like, yeah, I used to lead, you know, a 40 person team globally uh, for Amazon. And we would sign like multi-million dollar deals with like these large corporations. And like my, my identity turned into like, I sell underwear online. Right. And it's a very different type of conversation. Right. And so I think, I think entrepreneurship gets like romanticized in, in media. Like you only hear about the success stories. Right. Um, and so you're kind of skewed to think that like this is going to be a glorious path. It's going to be hard work, but it's going to be like very entertaining and it'll be rewarding. And I feel like it's, that's very rarely the case. And it's, it's, it's like an emotional roller coaster. And, and again, like I worked at Amazon, very challenging job, very, a very challenging company and culture. And I was never. I was never really stressed. Like there were stressful times and stressful periods and like deadlines we had to hit, but I was never like just overly stressed where I lost sleep at night. And man, it, and and I was very I, I would consider myself very emotionally and, and mentally like stable in that sense with a corporate job. But man, I've never been more insecure um, and like the most confident in my entire life than I have been working on all citizens. And I think that you know it's entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. I think that people should take that type of leap very seriously because you know, you could really just drain your 401k and your savings and then like end up with nothing. Right. And so I think that just careful with what you read in the media, because you it's like survivor's bias. You only hear about the success stories. Yeah, no, Danny, I, I appreciate you sharing that with our <laughs> audience. It's definitely a very honest look into it. It gets scary at times. Uh, you know, the money never comes as quick or as much as you think it does. Yeah. Uh, so it rarely coincides with what your plans are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the unfortunate truth of it. Um, yeah. Let's let's switch to a, a more positive note. You guys have, you know, you're not just selling boxers anymore. I know you've got a few other products and, you know, we've been talking about how awesome they are and how much you love to put the time and energy into making the most valuable thing you can for your customers. So where can they check them out and what are some of the other products that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So you can check them out at allcitizens.com. Um, and, and that has the entire breadth of our products. We ship uh, within the US. Uh, we ship uh, within two-day shipping. We On our website, we claim three days just to like under-promise and over-deliver. But we've just invested and built out a really large fulfillment network in the US um, that allows us to reach all customers in the 48 states um, uh, within two-day shipping. Um, so really proud of that. Um, and you know, I, I would say like our boxer briefs and our, our paradise pocket boxer briefs are absolutely our number one bestseller. Uh, and then like, again, like the, the whole ball separation thing has been an absolute game changer and it's a patent pending design as well. So it's, it's like a lot of thought and research went into it. And then I would say like one of our other bestselling products are our performance dress shirts. You know, typically performance dress shirts nowadays, you see them for about like 125 to $150 per shirt. Ours are $68 and actually we're working on trying to reduce that in the future because we've reached enough scale where we can get a bit of more economies of scale and pass the savings on to our customer. Um, but yeah, performance dress are by far our second or third best selling products. Um, they're, they're incredibly lightweight and comfortable, moisture wicking, quick drying, um, and, you know, very stretchy and, uh, and wrinkle resistant, which is the most important thing for, for lazy guys like me. So, um, so yeah, check them out at allcitizens.com. Absolutely, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chase. Talk to you soon. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestycommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. 
Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.